Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. The theme for 2018 is life. Did you like that? How many people are alive here today? Okay, if you're alive, let your face know, let your body know, I'm alive, I'm alive. Because you know the other option is that you could be dead. So life is a good thing, not just natural life, but spiritual life. And so um, I want to talk to you today as we go into this series. Um, I want to get you ready because we're actually going to begin in February, but I've got two weeks just to prime you and to get you ready. There's a famous quote by a very wise man who wrote about this whole concept of words and life. And he said, I sound like Paul, don't I? Speaking about a man who I don't know. But he said, my words bring order, to disorder, life to dead places, and they give God something to work with. My words bring order to disorder. So next week, we're going to talk about bringing order to our world. God is a God who is a God of order. In Genesis 1, when he created the world, he did it in a systematic, orderly fashion. And it tells us that we are designed for order. Wherever there's disorder in your world this year, God wants to bring order. Did you hear me? From the beginning, when you wake up in the morning, God wants to bring structure and order into your inner world, your mind, the way you think, your surroundings, your desk, maybe your bed, maybe your bedroom, maybe your car is out of order. God wants to bring order because where there is order, we function well. Where, where there is order, the kingdom of God can function. God does not function in disorder. Disorder and chaos is the enemy's world. So we're talking about today about life to dead places. Next week, order to disorder. But today, life to dead places. Wow. 1 John 5 Verse 11 says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. Did you hear that? This is our testimony. This is what separates us from everyone else. Not that, it's not about good and evil. It's about life or death. That's what it's all about in the kingdom. And this is our testimony. God has given us eternal life. And the life that we talk about is in His Son. The life that we talk about is that we have a relationship with a person called Jesus Christ. That's what brings life to our inner world. Amen? Amen? Whoever has the Son has life. Look at that. And whoever does not have the Son doesn't have life. See, I know as I was growing up, a lot of people tried to confuse me as a young man when I was, uh, I remember working as a printer and I would see some of the guys going out and having all sorts of fun, in quotation, and, and, and you know, sleeping around, doing all sorts of crazy things, partying. And there was little old Andrew going to church and they'd ask what you did on the weekend. I'd say I went to church. And they'd have these amazing stories about all the things that they do. But here's the reality. Whoever has the sun has life. And whoever doesn't have the sun has no life. They just have a, 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 like a picture of life, but you prick it and there's nothing there. There's no substance to their life. Without the sun, 
Anything that you grab will just dissipate. There is no sustenance without an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. He is life. Amen. Amen. There is no other life apart from Jesus. And I want to just, just uh, make that the foundation for this year that we are going to pursue life in its fullness. Life, 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 life. There's a wonderful picture of me. I don't know if you can see that, but this is what I did on my holidays. I was set up. I thought I was going to Canberra to have a nice, relaxing week, uh, spending time, you know, looking at all the sites, the high court, you know, all the things that you do in Canberra, because Canberra's full of interesting activities, <laughs> just no beaches. And so uh, I was ready for a relaxing, and I had a busy year, and I wanted to relax. And my wife, I know it's pretty hard to see, but she walked out the backyard and she decided in her wisdom that we would spend the week renovating this backyard of, uh, of a relative. So being a good, obedient husband, I said I would help. And so all the hard jobs came to, and all the easy jobs came to them, sort of. And so I had the job of, I don't know if you can see, but there's a big hedge at the back of the yard and it was all overgrown. This picture is the after effects of when it was all cut back. And I was just um, thought I'd take a picture to show you. But I've got this hedge trimmer. And uh, I grew up in, at Bible College as a gardener. I did that to sort of keep myself funded. So I know a little bit about gardening and trimming. I've got some funny stories to tell you, but that's another day. But uh, I decided that I would trim this. There was a hedge there, so I plugged it in. It wasn't a uh, petron, it was a cord operated one electric and so it was about 35 degrees or something like that and we decided we'd get into it at the start of the day and sweating and I started to cut this hedge and I got about halfway through there was a, a cord that ran into the into the uh to the laundry and there I was cutting and all of a sudden it stopped and that's not a good sign and I thought to myself it must be overheated so, I mean, I was overheated, so it must be overheated. So I stopped and I told uh, Karen and her sister, I'm just going to put it down for a while, let it rest, let it cool down, and we'll try again. It's a good opportunity for me to have a break. And so uh, I gave it a few minutes and felt it, felt okay. So it started again and it went for like 10, 15 seconds and it stopped again. Now, I, now I know you probably will laugh at me later on, but this happened about 10 times. It took me ages to cut that thing. I would cut a little bit, it would stop. I would cut a little bit, it would stop. I'd put it down, have a break, go back, start again. I tried holding it different ways. I tried you know, standing on one foot. I tried all the things that you would try, but it just would stop and start. And it kept going all the way until finally I'd finished. Well, we were then packing up. Please don't laugh at me. It was hot. And as we were packing up, putting all the tools away, and I'd unplugged this, uh, this uh, trimmer, and I walked back into the laundry where the extension cord was, and I was about to take the plug out, and to my horror, the plug was halfway out. I'd sat out in that sun for about another two hours, stopping and starting, because I thought there was a fault in the trimmer. And the issue was, the next day, Karen used the trimmer and it didn't stop once. 
because she plugged it in. As I saw that plug, I began to think about this whole concept of life. That we can be like that trimmer, that there's that we're stopping and starting, we're ineffective, we're, we're, we're looking at all the external things that we need to fix. We're thinking, is it the heat or is it me? But the real issue is that we're not properly plugged into life. Now, this is both for those who don't know Jesus. If you're not plugged into him, if you don't have a relationship with him, you're always going to be stopping and starting, not knowing your purpose, spluttering through life. But even when we are born again, if we don't, if we don't nurture and look after and tend our relationship with God, we, we will not be effective. We'll get to the end of this year and what should have taken two minutes would have taken two hours. What should have been effective will be not effective. What should have been a breakthrough will get to the end of the year and we'll still have the same hang-ups, the same battles, the same problems because we weren't plugged in properly to a living, vital relationship with the life giver. Isn't it interesting because last night I'd finished my sermon. It's like 8 o'clock at night. I'm planning what we'll do, watch a bit of tennis, whatever we'll do, and the lights go out. I mean, it doesn't happen. You know, the, the whole area is about 2,000 homes without power. You know what happens when there's no power? You start looking for candles, and this is a time when all my, my uh, torches that everyone laughed at, that you wind up, and <laughs> I bring out all my camping equipment that they, they chuckle out. I'll bring light to the house. But the problem is you can't open the fridge. You worry about things going off. You can't watch TV. We're playing cards in the dark with a bit of a candle. It's just not the same. And I looked at, you know, because the one thing that does never die is your iPhone. So I looked it up and there was no power to 12.40 a.m. But thank God the power came back on about 9 o'clock. And as it came back on, everything started to work again. The TV, the cooling, the fridge, the coffee machine, all the necessities of life. <laughs> but, you know, that's what it's like when we're not plugged into him. We're running on candles and wind-up torches and there's something missing in our life because we haven't nurtured this life source in our life. John chapter 10 in the NLT says, The thief's purpose is to steal from you. He wants to kill you and destroy you. But Jesus said that my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Don't you want that? I don't want to be stolen from. I don't want things to be destroyed. I don't want things in my life to die this year. I don't want my dreams to die, my hopes to die, my relationships to die, my health to die. I want a rich and satisfying life. Think even, even those words sound good, don't they? Do you know there's some words just, they sound like they say? I want a rich and satisfying life. I want to wake up in the morning with a smile on my face. Don't you? Yeah. I don't want to endure life this year. I don't want to go through the motions. I want life in its fullness. <sighs> the thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy. This is the Amplified. I have come. I, have, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance until it overflows. The passion says, 
I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. So this year, God's going to give you more life than you've ever expected. Isn't that amazing? I'm expecting a lot this year. And it says, life in its fullness until you overflow. I know what it's like to overflow. I've walked down the street and there's been so much life in me. I, I know this sounds weird, but I, I almost start laughing and, because there's such an overflow of the life of God inside me. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it's something that you would not give up for the world. The life of God in its fullness. And this is what Jesus promised you. And he's not a man that he should lie. He's saying there is a life for you to live this year that is so full that it will overflow in every dimension of you. I want that. I want that. And I want it for you this year. I want you to be full of life. Full of life. Full of life. Psalm 8 verse 4 says this. What is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than God. If you've got a Bible, you may want to underline that word. You've crowned him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hand. You've put everything under his feet. Do you know, this is, a, this is an amazing passage of scripture. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, but this phrase, a little lower than God, gives us insight into the way that we are wired and designed. That word little lower literally means to have lack, to be in lack, to be lacking. In fact, the Young's literal Bible reads, and you cause him to lack a little of the Godhead. What is man that you're mindful of? He's saying, the psalmist is saying, that we are designed to have a little lack of the Godhead. What does that mean? It means that God has designed you or created you that there is a lack inside you. Did you hear that? There's something that needs to be filled. That's why you are the way you are. That's why you get distracted. That's why you're off on all those little tangents and hobbies. That's why, see, the uh, people say, or it's been written, that we're like an idol factory. Our hearts are an idol factory. And if we don't fill it with God, we will find something. We'll be on a quest. We'll be watching YouTube videos all day and all night. We'll be over on Facebook. We'll be chasing this idea, chasing one thing to another because God's designed each and every one of us to have a little lack inside. And that's a great thing. Genesis 1 verse 26 says that there are three areas in our life that God wants to develop and function. To function, sorry. Genesis 1 26 says, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. So this again will unveil this concept of need in our life. Look at what God said. This is the way he designed you. When he designed Adam and Eve, he said, we're going to make man in our image and in our likeness so they will have dominion. Did you hear that? He's made you in his image and in his likeness so you will have dominion. This concept of image is that every one of us is designed with an ability to function like God. When we're placed on the earth and when we're born in this world, 
He's caused us to function in both the natural and in the spiritual realm. When you are born, you are created in the image of God, so you will re-represent God to the world. This concept of image is representing God. So God places you on the earth, so you'll represent him to everybody else. He's given you the ability to function in the natural and in the spirit realm. I said to our leaders this morning, that's why we have an earthly language and a heavenly language. Our earthly language reminds us that we have this great gift that, that we are able to interact on the, in the world, in the natural realm, and it's very necessary so we can communicate. Our heavenly language reminds us that we are spiritual beings called to function in the realm of God on earth and in heaven. God said, let us make man in our image so we are called to function like God, function on his behalf, represent God. But you notice in Genesis 1.27, when God made man, he made him in his image, but it says nothing about his likeness. The design is that we would be made, verse 26, in his image and likeness. Verse 27, likeness is not there. Likeness is our spiritual ability and capacity. So he causes us, in his, builds us in his image so we will function like him. And then he says his desire is that we would be in his likeness. And this concept is that we would have his spiritual capacity, that we will be able to think and move like him. This is his power. This is his life. One is function, his image. The other one is character and likeness and power and life flowing through. And so he makes man in his image and says, right now it's up to you to pursue my likeness. And if you will function as me and, and move in my likeness, you will have dominion. You don't have dominion without function. If you don't have a body, you have no dominion. But it's not enough. You need now to function in his likeness. And that means to plug in. See, I had, I had this cutter. That's function, is it not? That's function. It's designed to cut. But with no power, this cut is useless. I could sit up there, and I did at one stage, press the trigger, and nothing's working. I'm trying to cut. I look like an idiot. It's not working. It needs likeness. It needs power. It needs spiritual capacity. It needs intimacy. It needs a connection to the heart of God. God's designed us with a lack in our hearts so we would connect to him and receive his likeness. I want his life this year. Don't you? Yeah. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Listen to those words again. I love them that love me. This is, this is God speaking about us pursuing his heart and his life. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me i will cause those that love me to inherit substance what's that substance it's life and i will fill their treasures do you hear those words should we read them again i love them that love me hebrews 11 puts it this way you must believe that god exists do you believe that god exists Really? If we do, it says, 
If you believe God exists, you will seek him because you believe he will reward those that seek him. Many of us live like God doesn't exist because if we believed he exists, we would seek him. And if we sought him, we would be rewarded by him. Proverbs puts it this way, I love them that love me and those that seek me early will find me. If we truly believe that God exists, not just somewhere out there, but he exists and he deeply desires us, we will seek him and we will seek him more. There are days that I live like God doesn't exist. It's called distraction, busyness, trying to cut a hedge. If only I had to put the thing down and followed the cord back to the source and plugged it in, I could have been sitting in the lounge room with the air conditioner on, sipping ginger beer. Those that love me, I will love them. Those that seek me early shall find me. And I will cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. What a marvelous thought. You see, the work of Jesus is finished, it's complete, it's accomplished. But the work of the Holy Spirit is ongoing. So people get confused here. Well, you tell me I've got it all, but then I've got... See, what it is is... Everything that Jesus did on your behalf is complete. Your standing in him is complete. You don't have to do any more to be loved by him. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring you into intimacy. It's like this. You, what, the day you get married, you are married. Now put the ring on the finger. You are legally married. And you can do nothing about your marriage for the rest of your life. And you'll still be married. But who wants a marriage like that? You've got to pursue your wife. You've got to love her. You've got to spend time with her. I know it's an amazing thought. They're telling us now that we need to spend at least 90 minutes a week in meaningful conversation with our partners to sustain a marriage. Of any sort of conversation. It doesn't have to be about, I love you. That's good though. But meaningful conversation. In other words, they're saying, and you think, well, what's 90 minutes? Well, they're saying 90 minutes because most couples don't spend 90 minutes. So you can be married and not enjoy your marriage. You can be born again, going to heaven, saved, a son, a child of God, a daughter of God, but not have life to its full because you're not pursuing yeah. life. You're half plugged in. You're spluttering. You're not growing. It's the same issues. And let me tell you something. Jesus made it's simple, so I could understand. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. He said, it's like a tree and a branch. He said, if you break off a branch, if you break off a rose cutting, you put it in water, it looks nice for a day, but then it begins to wilt. And he uses these analogies to say, if you remain connected to me, and I remain connected to you, life will flow. It's not hard. It's not hard. The Bible says that those that wait on the Lord will lack no good thing. Psalm 34 verse 10. So God's going to have the opportunity to breathe into us every day. I spoke about this concept of breathing last year. That God breathed into Adam and Eve the breath of life. Or Adam particularly, the breath of life. We are designed 
that every day we need God to breathe into us. God is the only one that breathes his life into others. He is a self for other God. He's the only one that generates life. I know you know this. I'm going to tell you again. My job is to be the chief reminder. God is the only source of life. Every other source is either, every other source really depletes life or is, is self-depleting. You buy a new car, it's, it, it remains a new car with the smells for a few days. You wash it, you love it. But after a few years, you drive through puddles, you don't wash it anymore. It doesn't bring you the same joy and satisfaction. You get a, you know, a new thing. You get foxtail. You get this. You get that. And, and the novelty wears off because they're not life givers. God is the only life giver. He's the one that breathes into us. And life is there. We become a container of his life. And then we become those that release his life. Then we go back and he fills us again and we give out his life. We go back, he fills us again and we give out his life. We need his life. He's made man that he would lack. It's not that we're incomplete or there's something wrong with us, but we are designed and shaped that every day we need God to breathe into us. The temptation that Satan or Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, the serpent gave to Eve and Adam, was that you could be separate gods. You'll be like God. Rather than being an expression of the life of God, you'll take on your own life. You don't need him. You could be as God. You can live a separate world. You can be independent from God. And that's what we've got to watch this year, that we don't live one day independent from God. You can be like God. You don't need him. He hasn't got a monopoly on life. You can find it from so many different realms and sources. Let me tell you, that is the biggest lie that there is. You cannot exist. You will know no life without God. We read it at the start. Whoever has the Son has... Whoever doesn't have the Son has no... That's the rule. And Satan said, you don't need him. You don't need him for life. And the moment they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they died. There's a tree of life. And that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, think of it this way. It's called independent living. I'll make the own, my own rules. See, the issue is not about good and evil. The issue is about life and death. That's what the kingdom's about. No God, no life. Without God, there is no life. Everything is a choice about, does this bring life? Does this release life? Or does it bring death and release death? Not about whether it's right or wrong. Does it bring life? Does it bring death? Are my words creating life or death? Are my choices bringing life or death? Am I receiving life or death? Is this bringing me alive? So you can do things that aren't wrong and still die. Have you noticed that? You can be watching the tennis. And it can be bringing death, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's not a life giver. And, and, and I watch the tennis, but there are times where the Holy Spirit will say, come away, oh, you need life. And you can go back and watch that later. It's not about right and wrong, it's about whether it brings life or death. It's about walking with Him, letting Him breathe in me. John 1, verse 4 says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
He is the source of life. Listen, in him was life. And that life will bring light to you. Purpose. You want purpose? Look at me. There is no purpose without the life of God. Climbing up the ladder, more money, and these are all great things. Success, influence, wonderful. But without the life of God, it's doomed to fail. In him was life, and that life brings purpose to mankind. John 5.26 says, As the Father has life in himself, he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Revelation 22.1, again, it talks about a river of the water of life that flows from the throne of God. I had this thought about the throne of God as the epicenter of life. And the closer you get to the heart of God, the closer you come to life. The more you walk away from the heart of God, the more you walk away from life. Can you imagine what it's like to stand before God, who is the source of all life? Think about the time when you've most come alive. Multiply that by billions. And as we come before God, that's the sort of life I'm talking about. It is so hard to explain. But if you've encountered God and his life, and that's what he's talking about. There's an abundance of life that makes this world seem like it does not matter anymore. In him is life. And that life is the light of man. Hebrews says in verse, chapter 3, verse 14, we are called to be partakers of Christ. Now here's the thing. You can never be as God, but he can live his life through you. I'm going to give you a key now. Is it ready? Only Jesus can live like Jesus. Did you hear that? This is a profound revelation. You can't be like God because that's what Adam and Eve tried to do. I'm going to be nice this week. I'm not going to get angry at my kids, angry at my husband and my wife. I'm going to smile all day. I'm going to, I'm going to be the best Christian there ever was. I've done that, and within 10 minutes, somebody's rubbed me up the wrong way, and little demons have popped out, and I've got so angry. I've gone back, thought, oh, that didn't work. I know you guys never do that because you've nailed it. Let his life in you do what only he can do. Only Jesus can live his life. That's why Paul keeps talking about Christ in me. Do you know that, that phrase he keeps using? Christ as me, in me, through me. When you try to live like Jesus, it doesn't work. That's called independent living. There's a merging of Christ and me together. I don't lose my personhood. I'm still Andrew. All his beautiful shades and colors. But I must let his life flow through me to do what only he can do. Why did Jesus live his life on earth, the obedient life? He did that on my behalf. And he says, you know what? If you receive me, that same life that I lived on earth, through that body that the Father created, I'll live that same life through your body. He's promised that. 
Because I can't do it. I just can't. I don't have the capacity to love like I should love. And so I come to him every day and I say, Jesus, will you love me? Will your life flow through me? Will you live your perfect life, your obedient life through me? Father has created a body for Jesus to live through again. Today, it's your body. You give Jesus another opportunity to live life on earth. We invite his life into us. When Jesus called 12 disciples, he called them that they would be with him. Did you hear that? I'll read you the scripture. Mark 3 verse 14. He appointed 12 disciples that they would do lots of good work for him. Hand out tracts. Go to church every week and be a good Christian. No, no. He called the 12 that they would first be with him. And then he appointed them to preach the gospel. Being precedes doing. His life must flow through me before I attempt. Because you know what? When you are not plugged in, you are like me on that ladder. It's called a form of godliness. It's called no substance. Words come out, but there's no light. You know, I've been there. Have you done that? You've said the right thing, but even you know there's no substance. It's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus loves you, but inside you're like, there's no substance. But I know the joy of being plugged in, of being with Jesus, and then trying, then not trying, then doing something for him. And there's reality and substance because it's flowing out of the life and the nature of Jesus in me. He wants you to have life this year like you've never had before. Abundant, perpetual, overflowing life. And it's a gift that he wants to give you. It's not hard. Listen, this is not hard. Did you hear that? Yeah. This is not hard. It's like me getting that plug and putting it in the PowerPoint. It's not hard. Just a bit of time. Just surrendering. Just saying, Jesus, I don't even know where to start. But you said that if I have you, I have life. And so I ask you to fill me. I position myself for your life. Would you flow through me today? And I'm just going to sit here for 10 minutes in my chair. And I'm going to think about you as best I know how. And would you fill me with your life? Here's a good start. And then you get on that machine, on the ladder. You watch what you cut then. You watch the difference because now you're doing it out of life. Revelation 22 talks about the flow of life that now comes as we wait on him. You can read that verse I've got on the screen, but it essentially says this, when the life of God is inside you, it's going to flow out and it's going to bring healing to the nations. People will feast off this. It will transform people. It will change people. We talk about the seven mountains. We talk about reaching our city. Do you know the great key for this? The life of God in me has to flow out. I'll say it again. Did you hear that? The life of God in me has to flow out to my city. Father, all that's in me now, your kingdom, your life, your love, let it flow out and bring healing to my street, to my workplace, to my world, to my city.
Again, it says in Romans 5.17 that we reign as kings, what? In life. Now, you can read it as reign as kings in this life or you can read it as we reign as kings in his life. The key to reign as kings is in his life. We reign as kings in life. You want to be victorious. You want to have influence. You want, to, you want your words to carry weight like a king. It's in his life. The reigning as a king is in his life. I don't know if you can see that picture, but I went to a wedding. This is not the picture of the wedding because I don't have permission to put that one up yet. But this is a picture of a wedding. Bridesmaids. This thought came about because I had the privilege of conducting the service for Shay and Jordan last week and watching the bridesmaids come down the aisle. Then Shay came down the aisle with her father. The father gave Shay to Jordan. It was a wonderful event. And I had this little thought in my head, most people have no idea what that's really about. We just think it's a few girls... You know, all pretty dressed up. We go, ah, how beautiful. But, but do you know what? I think God has placed in that act a little sign for us. The first bridesmaid comes down. Wow. She is a picture that there's something greater coming. That the, that the groom that's standing there, even though he likes her, and there's no, nothing demeaning... She's saying, she's ringing the alarm. There is someone coming more beautiful than I. Even though I'm a picture of great beauty, there is something more. I think it's a picture that God says, I've created all the world. I've created everything. And I love it. My life's in awe. But you know what? There's something greater in my heart that I long for. Greater than all creation. All the world, everything that I've created, I have a deeper desire. So it's not her. So it's not the world, it's not the trees, there's someone down there and it's called the Bride of Christ. That's what Father longs for. He longs to have a deep encounter with the Bride. And as the Bride comes down, she's longing to be united with her husband because he carries life. And together they're going to produce something called fruit. And the Father comes with the Bride and he joins the hand of the bride to the groom. He's a picture of the natural realm. And he's saying, I've produced this bride. I've done my bit, but now I'm releasing her to you, the son. It's a picture of us saying, you know what, Lord? We know what it's like to have a soulish life, the natural realm. And there's all goodness in that and a part of it. But we want more. True life, true reproduction, true fruitfulness comes from my spirit man being united to you. And the two become one flesh. And Paul says, and I talk about this as a great mystery, not about man or woman, but about Christ and his church being united in life. It's all about life this year. He brings life to dead places. And as we join with him each day, as the bride and groom then go away on their honeymoon, 
often they come back with a baby. Because the two have become one flesh. The promises come alive. Babies are promises, aren't they? Spiritually. The things that we've hoped for and dreamed for that could never come to pass because babies come when the bride and groom come together and life is exchanged. So all the things that you've hoped for and dreamed for, they come out of life, out of a relationship with Him. And the deep longing of Jesus is for the bride to come down the aisle and be united with Him. Life. Life this year. Let's pursue life. Amen? In Him is life. And that life is the light of man. It brings us alive. He says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come that you would have abundant life. Whatever that I've pursued this year, last year, that's caused death, I lay it down. I want to pursue life this year. I want all my actions, all my relationships to be birthed out of and drenched in the life of God this year. So why don't you lift your hands up wherever you are this morning. Lord, we, we make a choice this year to speak life. Just, be, just before, can I just share one more thing? Just put your hands down. Just something's come to mind. Think about this. God is the source of life. And he spoke a word. And he said, let there be light, let there be fish, let there be birds. 6,000 years ago, whatever it is that your concept is, I think it's 6,000. And from that one word, life evolves and evolves and continues. And we see, we walk outside and I look at the trees and I think they're there because God spoke a word 6,000 years ago that is just as powerful today as it was back then. And when we carry the life of God and we speak and release it, as we wait on Him, be filled with Him, and we release, our words carry the same power. Are you getting this? So if I speak a word of encouragement to Walter, it carried such life that it sustains him for years. Do you know there are things spoken over my life 30 years ago that are still working inside me now. I still remember that conversation like it was yesterday because someone released life into me. And it fuels me today. And I feel bigger because of it. That's life. When we receive his life and release it, my words bring life to dead places. And I felt as I was preparing this week that there were areas that God would encourage us, don't speak death. Don't just speak the first thing that comes to your mouth. Give voice to what you truly believe inside. Give voice to the life of God. Release it in your conversations over your household, everywhere you go. Be a container and a releaser of life. So, Father, you can lift your hands again. I thank you that you are here as the giver of life. And I pray that you would fill every heart with your abundant life. Let us be pursuers of your life. 
You said that we would lack no good thing, Lord, that we would be filled. Those that are hungry shall be filled. You said, Lord, when we seek your life, you would fill us. So it's overflowing, Lord, life to the full beyond our greatest expectation. I'm asking, Lord, that you would fill your people this day with your life. And as you do that, Lord, may they be releases of your life. May they speak words of life. May everything they do perpetuate the life of God in this city. We speak over this city the life of God. We're speaking to every realm of society, government, business, education. Every realm we say, let the life of God come. Even as Eden came and was to expand into the wilderness areas, we say, let every area that's dead come alive today. We speak into this city. We speak over marriages. We speak over hearts today. Let the dead areas come to life in Jesus' name. I speak by the authority of God in me. And I say, let life flow into every area that's dead, that has been stolen, every area that's been destroyed. I say, let the life of God flow right now in the name of Jesus. I speak, I command life in Jesus' name. The breath of life in Jesus' name. Eyes to be opened, ears to be unblocked, hearts to be aligned, dreams to come alive. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy life to dead bones. I say life in Jesus' name into every heart, into every relationship. I speak the life of God. I command those areas that have died. I command those areas that have been stolen to come back to life. Even the breath of God to be breathed upon you today that you would come alive in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,